are listening to community-supported radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Tuesday, November 24th. I'm Charlotte Peterson, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. For their support, we'd like to thank Sierra Moon Goldsmith, family-owned, full-service goldsmith shop specializing in custom-designed jewelry, Open Wednesday through Saturday, noon to 4 p.m. in Old Town Auburn. Information and designs online at sierramoongoldsmith.com. Today, following NPR headlines and regional weather, Paul Emery speaks with Dr. Roger Hicks, founder of Ubidocs. Civil rights groups are alarmed by Trump's push to invalidate votes in heavily black cities, NPR reports. Closing out today's newscast, we have Mark Cunaberti with a commentary. At 6.30, we bring you Embracing the Journey, and at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. But first, NPR headlines followed by regional weather. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. President-elect Joe Biden is signaling to the world that the United States is prepared to cooperate and lead on the international stage in a style the Trump administration has not. Among Biden's national security and diplomatic appointments, longtime advisor Antony Blinken to Secretary of State, seasoned State Department veteran Linda Thomas-Greenfield as ambassador to the U.N., and former top diplomat John Kerry to hold a new created cabinet-level senior climate post on the National Security Council. NPR's Asma Khalid has more. Biden said his team embodies the belief that America is strongest when it works with its allies. It's a team that reflects the fact that America is back, ready to lead the world, not retreat from it, once again sit at the head of the table. The six men and women Biden announced all wore face masks and took turns one by one removing them to introduce themselves. Biden referenced the historic nature of some of his picks, including the first Latino to lead the Department of Homeland Security. He also underscored that he'll have someone on the National Security Council whose full-time job is dealing with climate change. Asma Khalid, NPR News. It was a banner day on Wall Street fueled by the official recognition of a soon-to-be-sworn-in Biden presidency and continued advances in coronavirus vaccine development. For the first time ever, the Dow Jones Industrial Average broke the 30,000 barrier, and President Trump surprised reporters by appearing for one minute in the White House briefing room. With the pandemic, I'm very uh, thrilled with what's happened on the vaccine front. That's been Absolutely incredible. It's, uh, nothing like that has ever happened medically, and uh, I think people are acknowledging that, and it's having a big effect. But uh, the stock market's just broken 30,000. Never been broken, that number. That's a sacred number, 30,000. Nobody thought they'd ever see it. The president did not take questions. Pennsylvania has now certified Joe Biden as the winner of the state's presidential election. Emily Previty from member station WITF has more. The state certification comes after county officials work to certify results amid a crush of post-election litigation from President Trump's campaign. Those legal efforts have been almost wholly unsuccessful. A petition from the Pennsylvania Republican Party to invalidate mailed ballots received during the three days following the election is pending before the U.S. Supreme Court. 
but the state estimates just 10,000 of those ballots were cast. And that's not enough to matter in the presidential race, which Biden won by more than 80,000 votes in Pennsylvania. Nevada is also certifying results today. Arizona and Wisconsin are expected to certify their tallies next week. For NPR News, I'm Emily Previty in Harrisburg. The Dow gained 454 points today. This is NPR. In a televised address this evening, French President Emmanuel Macron said his country's efforts had paid off and the virus is retreating. NPR's Elner Beardsley reports that France will begin lifting confinement measures this weekend. Macron said it looked like the second wave had passed. Thanks to people's responsibility and civic duty, he said, France has avoided the worst. The number of daily infections has dropped from 60,000 to 20,000, and the number of patients in ICU is also down. Starting Saturday, stores can reopen and people will be allowed to go out. If, on December 15th, the rate of infection is down to 5,000 a day, said Macron, we will be allowed to travel freely and spend Christmas with our families but a nightly curfew will remain in place. Bars and restaurants will not be able to reopen until January 20th. Macron said they would receive financial support until then. Eleanor Beardsley, NPR News, Paris. Johns Hopkins researchers estimate 12.5 million COVID cases in the United States so far, with 259,000 deaths in the U.S. And as public health officials call on Americans to restrict holiday events and gatherings as coronavirus cases surge, the White House is preparing for a final Trump administration Christmas season. An 18-and-a-half-foot-tall Fraser fur was delivered by horse-drawn carriage to the White House. The president delivered the traditional part of a couple of big fluffy turkeys and Christmas and Hanukkah events are being planned. A spokesperson for the First Lady says precautions will be taken. I'm Louise Schiavone, NPR News, Washington. Now for regional weather. According to the National Weather Service, in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight will be mostly clear with a low around 36. Wednesday will be mostly sunny with a high near 49 and a low around 33 with mostly clear skies. In Sacramento tonight, skies will be mostly clear with a low around 42. Wednesday will be mostly sunny with a high near 60 and mostly clear skies overnight with a low around 41. In the Truckee region tonight, skies will be mostly clear with a low around 23. On Wednesday, there is a 30% chance of snow with a high near 39 and Wednesday night will be partly cloudy with a low around 14. In Angels Camp tonight, skies will be mostly clear with a low around 39. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 55 and a low around 36 with mostly clear skies. I'm speaking with... Dr. Roger Hicks, and he's the founder of Ubidocs in Grass Valley, and I thought it would be a good time for us to kind of touch bases on what this uh, pandemic looks like from your standpoint of having a a health facility, and um, we'll we'll take it from there. So welcome to KVMR, Roger. Hey, thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me on to talk about this. Well, you know, you've been in business here now. Well, Ubidox has been in business for how many years now? 20 years. 20 and 20. 
We opened in August of 2000. My goodness, it seems like just yesterday. I don't know what that means. But, <laughs> but for our listeners that don't know about Ubidox, tell us about it. Well, Ubidox is an urgent care clinic uh, located in the Brunswick Basin in the Fowler Center. Um, we Urgent care clinics provide uh, a type of primary care. We, we provide... Uh, we treat acute illnesses and um, minor, uh, you know, non-life-threatening injuries. So we fill up a lot of cuts. We treat, uh, you know, we see a lot of broken ankles and fingers and um, and people with the flu or earache, strep throat. Um, when we opened, uh, urgent cares were just sort of getting started. Uh, they'd been around maybe for 10 years and were called Doc in the Box. Um, and then uh, in the 20 years we've been open, and now there's urgent cares everywhere across the country. So, and uh, it's basically the difference is we're open between us and a regular uh, family practice is we're, we're open extended hours. So we're open every day, seven days a week. Uh, we are actually closed three days a year, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And we're open extended hours, like we open at 8 and close at 6, and we don't close for lunch on the weekdays and weekends and holidays. It's 9 to 4. And it's walk-in, so you don't have to have an appointment. Well, Dr. Hicks, uh, we're right in the middle of the COVID uh, pandemic situation. And I thought I'd start our conversation by asking, uh, what does it look like from your viewpoint, particularly with the really kind of astounding increase in, in cases in the last couple of weeks or so. Give us an overview from where you stand. Nevada County was doing really well at the beginning of the pandemic. From April 24th to July 1st, we had only 41 cases. Then after the Memorial Day holiday, we saw a rise in cases. There was another spike after the July 4th holiday and another one after uh, Labor Day. And these spikes occur because people let their guard down and the, we use the rise in cases because of the incubation period. It takes a couple weeks after those holidays. Recently, though, things have just uh, exploded. Um, we now have 1,131 cases in Nevada County and 314 of those are active cases. Uh, there's, we've had nine deaths so far, and there are at least 10 people, Nevada County residents, in the hospital uh, with COVID. I'm speaking with Dr. Roger Hicks. Uh, uh, go ahead, doctor. So we have seen that on the ground in our clinic. Um, as, the, as the cases surge and locally and statewide and nationally, um, more people come in, more people come in wanting to be tested, uh, and it's definitely uh, a strain on every healthcare provider who's on the front lines. What is the process, and, and, and what priority do, do you give to people if, if, they, if, they, if they feel like they need a test? The process is um, we test people who just want to be tested. Uh, we do that in their cars. And people register online. Um, they can go to our website. And the best way to do that is through your smartphone because then you can take a photo of your 
ID and insurance card and upload it. You can do the whole registration process in line. You don't have to come in online. Uh, you don't have to come in the clinic. And then the testing um, is done in people's cars. So uh, our staff comes out in full protective gear. You, know, you call the clinic when you arrive at your uh, testing appointment time. Um, I did say you, for urgent care clinics, you don't have to have an appointment, but for this, for the testing, uh, we are doing it by appointment so that we don't have 100 cars uh, causing a traffic jam in the parking lot all at once and people waiting for hours. So uh, you, you, uh, you get your appointment, you call the clinic from your car when you arrive, and then one of our staff members comes out and does the test. There's three kinds of tests. One is uh, the PCR test, and that's a polymerase chain reaction. That is the most sensitive and the gold standard. And those uh, have to be sent to a reference lab like Quest or LabCorp, uh, and they take uh, depending, <laughs> they take anywhere from a couple days to, uh, in July, it was taking two and a half weeks to get a result back. Uh, the turnaround time on those tests has recently increased because of the increased demand for tests. The second kind of test is an antigen test. Uh, those are done uh, in, at the clinic. We have the Sophia Cadell antigen test. Those are also called rapid tests. Those aren't quite as sensitive, but the advantage is you get a result right away. And those are intended for people who have symptoms. The PCR, the more sensitive tests, uh, can be used on people who were exposed but don't have any symptoms. The third kind of test is an antibody test, and that's a blood test, and that basically tells you, uh, do I, did I have the infection in the past? It is not at all useful for diagnosing uh, an active infection. Right now, uh, I, I assume you're really getting a lot of requests for tests at this point. Yeah, we are. I mean, we're, we're getting a lot of tests, a request for tests, because, you know, people... Some people are sick. Um, they're having symptoms because of this this huge spike in new cases, or they've been exposed to somebody um, who has confirmed uh, COVID. We're also getting a lot of requests for people who uh, want to feel safe about having a big gathering at Thanksgiving or traveling somewhere for Thanksgiving. And um, I just want to say a few words about that. We've, we've talked to people a lot, and, and I have, uh, you know, I've wrote a column about how to have a safe Thanksgiving, and it comes down to this. Do it with your immediate household and see everybody else by Zoom this year. There's just no safe way to have a big family gathering or friends and family over for Thanksgiving this year. Um, many of the people that come in requesting tests uh, you know, want uh, I should say, even demanding tests are doing it uh, because they see it as a sort of a green light to then engage in risky behaviors. But let's just let's just talk through this uh, a little bit. Like, say, okay, you want to go visit your family um, by you know in New York or Southern California or something. So um, you get tested before you get on your flight, like the day before, and it's negative. Uh, and then you get tested as soon as you arrive, and that's negative. So everything's cool, right? But 
what if you were exposed at the airport or on the plane? Because of the incubation period, that's the, the time it takes from when the virus enters your body till it, it multiplies enough to actually cause symptoms or to be detectable, you know, it's going to take a few days before that exposure at the airport or on the plane would show up as symptoms or as a positive test. So all the, t the tests, uh, the negative test tells you that you don't have enough virus to be detected by that test at the time you took your test. The incubation period for COVID is up to 14 days. So really, if you're going to go visit somebody, you shouldn't. Uh, every all the public health officials are advising against any non-essential travel right now. So first of all, don't do it. Uh, but then, you know, if it if you are going to do it anyway and violate those uh, those guidelines, um, a test is is not a uh, like I say a green light for engaging in risky behavior. It just tells you. Uh, what was going on at the time the test was taken in terms of whether there's detectable virus in your body. What you're basically saying is, uh, as far as large family gatherings or even moderately large, uh, not this year. Is that a good way to put it? Not this year. Yeah. That is good. Uh, excellent. Just have Thanksgiving dinner with your household and see everybody else by Zoom this year. Next year, we'll have a vaccine. I mean, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, as a healthcare provider, my my job is to get as many people through that tunnel alive as possible. And the uh, in in general, follow the guidelines about masking and social distancing. Maybe a little bit stricter than uh, than we have been in the past. No, we just need to follow them. We we don't need to. It, we don't. The guidelines don't need to be any stricter, but people just need to follow the guidelines that have been out there. I mean, the way the only thing we have right now to stop the spread of the virus and control the pandemic it, are those uh, those measures you said: that wear a mask, social distancing, wash your hands frequently, avoid unnecessary travel. That's it. Until the vaccine is widely available, that's all we got. And there's lots of studies that have shown that if, you know, if 90% of people wore a mask all the time, you know, whenever in public um, or with people outside of their household, we would could control this pandemic in a matter of weeks. Uh, that means, you know, that there wouldn't be the, the strain on schools and, and local businesses that there is now. But unfortunately, there's been this discussion about how somehow, uh, you know, masks have become a political thing. And, like, there's a, a segment of the population that uh, being told to wear a mask somehow impinges on their personal freedom. I mean, is it un-American to wear a mask? Some people think so. But I, I just want to echo something that Governor Scott of uh, Vermont said. Um, he's a Republican governor in a blue state, and Vermont has been very successful in controlling the pandemic until now. And what he said was that the skeptics are right. The mask-wearing skeptics are right. They can do whatever they want. But don't call it patriotic. Don't pretend it's about freedom. 
real patriots serve and sacrifice for all, whether they agree with that or not. Real patriots stand up and fight when our nation's health and security is threatened. So that's, you know, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And right now our nation's health is threatened. And um, we need people to stand up and be patriotic and wear a mask. It not only protects yourself, it protects your neighbor. Well, Dr. Hicks, that's all the time we have uh, for today. And uh, thank you so much for speaking with KVMR. And, and uh, people can get a hold of Ubidox. Uh, what's the easiest way? They can call 274-5020, or as I said, they can go to our website, ubidox.com, register online if you want uh, if you want to get a test, and, uh, and we'll set you up for that. Dr. Hicks, thank you so much for speaking with KVMR. You're welcome, Paul. It's been my pleasure. Have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. I've been speaking with Dr. Roger Hicks, uh, founder of Ubidox in Grass Valley. The Trump administration may now be allowing the transition to the Biden administration to proceed, but President Trump and his allies are still working to reverse President-elect Joe Biden's victory in the courts. They focused on trying to throw out huge numbers of votes in several mostly Democratic cities with large black populations, cities which the president and his campaign have painted as corrupt. NPR political reporter Juana Summers is here. She covers demographics in politics. Hey, Juana. Hey, Elsa. Hey. So you've been talking with black leaders about Trump's efforts to overturn this election and those efforts of his Republican allies. What are you hearing from these leaders? Yeah, um, there has been a palpable sense of outrage as these folks have watched the president attempt to overturn the results of this election, particularly as he and his campaign are targeting ballots cast in cities like Philadelphia, Detroit, Atlanta, and Milwaukee. I spoke with Kristen Clark. She is the executive director of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. It is difficult for me to think of another president in modern time who has literally driven a national scheme to disenfranchise Black voters and other voters of color in mass in the way that we see with these post-election lawsuits. The president and his allies have presented no real evidence of voter fraud or widespread irregularities in any of those cities. And we should note that the courts have not sided with them and have repeatedly, in fact, denied their requests to invalidate ballots. Mm-hmm. Derek Johnson is the president of the NAACP. He's among the critics of President Trump who say that he and his team are using tactics that remind them of those that were used to suppress the voices of black voters after the Civil War. This election cycle, what was attempted was that type of cool-like behavior to intimidate election workers, to malign anyone who disagreed with you, to seek to steal the outcome and the will of voters in a way that would have reflected something less than the democratic principles that this nation claimed to stand on. Well, how are the president and his allies responding to all of these allegations that they're trying to disenfranchise thousands of black voters? Yeah, so the president's campaign and his allies have denied that there are racial motivations here. They say that their lawsuits and their recount strategy is not targeting black voters. 
The campaign sent over a statement from senior legal advisor Jenna Ellis. It said, and I'm quoting here, Every American deserves to know that our elections are conducted in a legal manner, no matter who they are or where they live. That is our only goal, to ensure safe, secure, and fair elections. That is what our Constitution requires, end quote. Now, we should note that the campaign did not respond specifically there to the claims of racism that are inherent here. Well, what about the Biden team? I mean, how are they responding to these allegations from black voters? Yeah, um, last week, Bob Bauer, who is a senior legal advisor to Biden's campaign, was asked about this on a call with reporters. And he said that this was, quote, straight out discriminatory behavior and also said the Trump campaign's targeting of the black community was not subtle. He even went on to call it extraordinary, brazen. And to put this in a very quick political context, I think it's important to note that Black voters are a key constituency for the Democratic Party, and they were particularly pivotal in delivering Joe Biden the White House in this election season. That is NPR's Juana Summers. Thank you, Juana. Thank you. Closing out today's newscast, we have Mark Cunaberti with a commentary. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. Thanksgiving is a special time of year. It is time for gratitude and appreciating what we have. Unarguably, 2020, the year, has been a frightful year. Few on the planet would debate such a claim, but in the midst of tremendous calamity, we can take a moment and, if anything, admit to ourselves it could have been much worse. No doubt, economically, the year 2020 has devastated world economies incomparably without precedent. And although I have not traveled overseas since COVID hit, I can comfortably say the damage here in the U.S. is similar to almost all industrial nations that make up our world. In the midst of this, however, in my recent trip to a large strip mall, I was encouraged by what I saw. Simply put, it was packed. It was as if nothing had happened. Crowds were large and lines were long. Had patrons not been wearing masks and had stores not been throttling patrons due to COVID, I would have not known the world was in one of the worst economic downturns in modern history. I suppose we should be grateful for the stimulus programs that have allowed this, although many businesses have gone away for good, and they will be followed by many more. The consumer, at least some of them, are seemingly in the shopping mood and lining up to spend money. Speaking of programs, food bank lines are longer than they have been in recent memory. As cars and people trail around the block for assistance, we can give thanks to those amazing individuals that staff and donate to such worthwhile endeavors. I can only say, bless their hearts, each and every one of them. The polarization of America, due to political differences, has only added to the toxicity of the year. Indeed, even the subject of face masks has added more fuel to the fires of bitterness. Racial tensions amplified yet again the anger. It seemed as if the nation was splitting in two. Yet with conclusion of the election, it appeared perhaps everyone was tiring of the conflicts. No matter what side of the various arguments we found ourselves on, it's almost as if an audible sigh of relief was collectively felt by all, or at least hopefully felt by many. No matter who is your candidate, I am sure there are those on both sides that are glad it is over. Perhaps we are just tired, or fed up, or maybe even a little embarrassed. All of these emotions are understandable and probably well justified. Whatever we are feeling, we can be grateful we, 
as a nation of brothers and sisters, are still together, if not completely healed and bonded as before. I can only hope friendships and families can be rebuilt, words and actions can be forgiven, and a renewed appreciation can sprout up where there once was anger and discontent. In this moment, I will be thankful for my family, my friends, my ability to work, my health, and my spirituality. I will be thankful our economy is still functioning, that racial tensions seem to be easing, and the reality of exhaustion, usually regarded as a negative, can be looked upon instead as a reason to put down our proverbial pitchforks, put away our differences, and once again call everyone, as in everyone, our brothers and sisters. For we are just that, brothers and sisters on this planet Earth. America, it is time to forgive. It is time to accept it is time to heal. We will beat this, all of this. Our economy will go on, damaged and bruised, certainly, but it will survive. And hopefully we, all of us, have learned just a little bit more about others and learned a little bit more about ourselves. We can do better, and I am extremely thankful to know that we will. That's it for today's Money Matters. Opinions expressed here are my opinions only and may not necessarily reflect those of this station, its staff, management, or underwriters. The website, moneymanagementradio.com, is agrata, meaning without charge. It is our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. I hold California Insurance License OL34249 and a Medicare agent designation. Our email is news at moneymanagementradio.com. I want to thank you for listening. My name is Mark Kuhnberg. That's our newscast for this evening. KVMR's Evening News airs Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. and is produced by Emory Audio Productions. Coming up next, we bring you Embracing the Journey and at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. For Emory Audio Productions, I'm Charlotte Peterson, wishing you a fabulous evening.